I'm Dara. I have been a member of Kings for about seven years. Um, and this evening, I have uh, the privilege of continuing our series called This Coming Kingdom, as you'll see on the slide there. Uh, we've been doing this for quite a few weeks now, um, and we're looking at the parables that Jesus told uh, to reveal the mysteries of his kingdom to us um, in the New Testament. Um, it helps us to see the world through a new perspective, uh, through this use of stories that he used. And before we start, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this evening. Thank you for bringing us all here safely. I pray that you will just minister to our hearts this evening. I pray for open ears and open hearts this evening, Lord, as we uh, look at your word. And I just pray that in your name. Amen. Okay, so this evening we'll be looking at uh, a parable that I think is maybe lesser known or lesser quoted uh, called the parable of the ten virgins or parable of the ten bridesmaids. We'll be taking a slight shift this evening. Um, all the parables we've been looking at so far have been looking at this current kingdom. The parable that we'll read is the first one Jesus tells after telling his disciples about the kingdom to come. As Dan explained when we first started this series, um, when we think about God's kingdom, we have to think about the now and the not yet. Jesus did come to a baby, came, sorry, he came to earth as a baby 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross for our sins that we didn't deserve, and he rose again three days later, defeating death. And we are currently living in that incredible glory. But Jesus will come again, and there will be a coming kingdom, and that's what this parable is speaking about. So, to add a little context before we start, as I said, Jesus was speaking to his, to his disciples sorry, before this. He warns them that we won't know the hour or the day to come, and that we should keep watch because we have to be ready for when Jesus comes again. We'll talk more about this later, but first we'll read the parable. If you've got your Bibles, we'll be reading from Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. If not, it should come up on the screen. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, they may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. So this evening, based on that parable, we'll be considering what it looks like to be wise as we wait for Jesus to come again, how we practically live that out in this current kingdom while preparing for the kingdom to come. So there are lots of things to pick up in this parable. The best way, I think, for us to do this is to move from the outside and zoom in uh, as we go through the parable. We see 10 women waiting for a bridegroom to arrive so they can celebrate a wedding. It's important to note that throughout the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom and the church, his bride. So we see here in this parable, the depiction of Jesus coming back to claim the church when he comes again. And when that day comes, there will be the biggest party and feast that you could ever imagine. Following this thread, we see that Jesus is actually warning us that we have to be ready for this day. 
the wise women bought extra oil and the foolish didn't, and only half of them were allowed into the banquet in the end. Ultimately, we see the consequence of being unprepared as having that door shut in our faces, something I don't want to happen for any of us on that day. When I first read this, I thought it's a very intense parable. How are we going to get through it? Um, but I think it's just important that we focus on what Jesus wants us to see and what I think he wants us to see this evening. So the first thing we're going to look at this evening is waiting. Um, when it comes to waiting, I think there are two kinds of people. Um, I'm going to call them the waitees and the waiters, i.e. the people who you wait for and the people who are waiting for them. Um, I am unashamedly a waiter. I have this really annoying thing where I, I can't be late for things. Um, I have tried before, and the best I've done is about two minutes early. Um, often I'm waiting for certain friends for slightly longer than others. Um, and if I am going to meet them, I usually bring a book or do some life admin while I wait for them. Um, I often get the sorry I'm running late or be there in 10. Um, it makes me feel like this. Uh, or like this, for some of my friends. Now, the truth of this is, for most of the people that I'm waiting for, the frustration is overcome when I see them, because I do love spending time with them. Um, so that's my shout-out to all the waitees. We, you're teaching us patience, it's fine. <laughs> In all seriousness, I use this analogy because um, I think we have to catch a glimpse of what these women were feeling while they were waiting. They all knew him, and they were all looking forward to what was to come. We meet them while they're waiting, and we read in verse 4 that the bridegroom was a long time in coming. They didn't get a running late text or see you in 10. All they knew was that at some point that day he'd arrive. That was normal, but you can imagine how long they could have been waiting for. They were waiting with anticipation for someone that they knew and someone that they loved, and so any frustration could have been overcome. We cannot wait in anticipation for someone if we don't know or love them. For all of us who know Jesus and count him as our Lord and Saviour, I want to encourage us this evening to keep waiting because he's so worth it. When he comes, it will be so glorious, like nothing could ever imagine. Keep pressing on and running towards the goal because Jesus wants to see you at the end. For anyone who doesn't yet know Jesus, I'm just going to take a moment um, to ask you to stay with us this evening because Jesus could not be better to wait for. Um, he will come again and he wants to see you too at the finish line. He didn't die for some, he died for all. Um, and I think that's something that is really important to remember. The second reason that we're talking about waiting is to see that the women who waited weren't all rewarded. It's the women who were prepared and were waiting who were rewarded. None of them were strangers in this context. Jesus knew all 10 of these women and he still shut out five of them. That is not what I want to happen to any of us when we get to the end or when Jesus comes again. It's the same way that Jesus wanted them to be prepared, we have to be prepared for when he comes. So we have to look at what that means. So we see the women are split into the wise and the foolish, the prepared versus the unprepared. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the meaning of the word prepared is to be ready and equipped, to be made ready for use, or to be ready to do or deal with something. In the parable, we find that five of these women seem to have this definition in mind when they were waiting. In verses 3 and 4, we see the foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The wise five readied and equipped themselves for the bridegroom arriving. And ultimately, this is what made the difference between being let into the banquet and having the door shut in your face. 
Um, the fact that this entire parable hinges on this oil means that I think it's something that we have to look at in great detail this evening um, because it seems to be the reason why you could get into that banquet. So we're going to talk about oil for a little while. Why does this parable bring oil to life so much? I think it can only be because of what the oil represents. And the answer to that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the way in which we are to prepare ourselves for the bridegroom coming. We have to ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit? First and foremost, he is the third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The manifestation of God's power in action. He lives in us. He's the helper that God sent us after Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus himself described the Holy Spirit as the advocate to help us and to be with us forever in John's Gospel. We're going to get technical very quickly, so stay with me. There should be a photo of an oil lamp coming up at some point. Okay, so as I understand, it's very simple how these work. Um, An absorbent wick transports fuel, which is the oil as you can see there, uh, across and into the wick. And the whole point of this oil lamp is that it has continuous light being produced. They weren't supposed to go out. So having a store of oil was a really good idea in those days. Quite simply, this lamp does not function without oil. There would be no light otherwise. And we see this reflected. The word of God, which is our light, while always true, cannot be always lit unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit to fuel it. So we're going to look at the Holy Spirit in some more detail. We'll look at the promise of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll start with the promise. In John 14, as Jesus is predicting his death and resurrection, we see him tell his disciples that there is one greater than him coming once he has ascended into heaven. The same promise that Jesus made then, he makes to us today. The promise of the Holy Spirit stands firm in this kingdom and prepares us for the next. We have to take Jesus up on this promise today. He goes on to tell his disciples that the Holy Spirit will live with them and in them, will teach them things and remind them of everything that Jesus has ever taught them. This rings true today as well. Hearing that promise, how can we not want to be reminded of everything that Jesus has taught us and will tell us for the coming days? It's the most ideal way to prepare for the kingdom. Jesus is not asking us to do very much. He says, I will give you the Holy Spirit and he will remind you of everything I've said to you. It takes the striving away from us. It frees us from any responsibility. We see in this parable, the foolish woman only had to go down the street to buy some oil. It really wasn't particularly difficult in that time to get some, but they chose not to do it in advance. The same is true today, and even better for us. God doesn't ask us to buy the Holy Spirit. He gives it to us freely. There's nothing that we have to do apart from ask for it. And this evening, we have to ask ourselves, can we be a people who do that? Can we be a people who ask for the Holy Spirit continuously? This takes us on to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Once we ask the Holy Spirit into our hearts, he's faithful and dwells with us always. This doesn't mean that one person accepting the Holy Spirit is enough for all. It's really important that we all accept the Holy Spirit individually. And we see this reflected in the parable. It might seem really selfish or mean that the five wise women said they weren't going to share any oil with the foolish ones. But in the same way that my Holy Spirit can't be transferred to any of you, that oil was not going to be shared between them. The Holy Spirit is for everyone, but it's God's way of asking us to have a personal relationship with him, inviting him into our hearts individually. The Holy Spirit is not an ethereal entity that sits far away from us, watching us struggle day to day. He draws close when you ask him to, and he fills you with his power. 
The Holy Spirit blesses us all in different ways, and that's why his presence is non-transferable, as it were. It's specific to our circumstances, so that together, with all of our experience of the Holy Spirit, we can be the completely functioning, harmonious body of Christ, his church, who he is coming back for. You have to participate in this current kingdom in order to prepare for the next. Whether it's for the first or the thousandth time that you ask for the Holy Spirit, know that when you ask, he will come and dwell in you. And we'll talk about the power of the Holy Spirit now. In the parable, this oil fuels these lamps, and it means that the light is always bright, allowing him to never go out. In the same way, the Holy Spirit brings to life the word of God in our hearts. It's okay to know it, but the only way that you'll feel its power is to have the Holy Spirit minister to you. I don't want our lights to go out today. I want the Holy Spirit to be ministering the word of God to us. Just as the lamps allow the women to see more clearly, the word of God lets us see more clearly in this darkness. And it draws people to us, illuminating their lives in this darkness too. I was going to tell another story, but I actually, as we were worshipping, felt that I should speak about the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, As I went through my teenage years, I had quite an issue with family. And I tell this story actually because I feel like God wants to restore hearts this evening. Um, My dad and I don't really have a relationship. It's been very difficult as I've gone through my life. I don't really know him, but I felt very, very intensely that the Holy Spirit was asking me to forgive him about five years ago and I said I can't do that for all that he's done. I went on the Freedom in Christ course actually which was great and as I was sitting in my room praying and reading God's word um, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me and say you're forgiving him not for him but for you. I don't want you to be carrying this I want you to be free and I want you to be able to live your life in the power of that. It's a decision that we have to make all the time, but the power of the Holy Spirit in that moment was just so evident to me. If you haven't felt it before, you will, because the Holy Spirit wants to give you these experiences. I was able to forgive my dad, which is something I genuinely thought I could never do, but I still feel that power now of that experience, and that was only the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the change is tiny, sometimes it's huge. The power of the Holy Spirit heals people, it restores souls, it brings people back to God. Miracles are performed in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to take it so seriously. The Holy Spirit also graciously allows us to see fruit when we're doing life with him. Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. These are character traits that Jesus wants us to have, and the way we do that is by knowing the Holy Spirit. They allow us to look more like Jesus in this kingdom and prepare us for the next. The Bible also tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that there are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us as a manifestation of himself. These include things like prophecy, speaking in tongues, faith and wisdom. We saw this evening, you know, Jess bringing a song in tongues and Carrie bringing that interpretation. That is a a gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have these gifts so we can be united as a body in church, preparing for the bride when Jesus comes. We as lowly people, genuinely made of flesh, are given the privilege of having the power of the Holy Spirit coming together so that we can all have different gifts, uniting us in one church. Jesus is coming back for the church that he is currently uniting us in. Not only that, he gives us everything that we need to prepare for it. He gives us the Holy Spirit and all we have to do is ask for more of him. 
Um, the phrase I coined to describe that was dripping in oil, it doesn't feel right, but I think that's kind of, I mean, you know what I mean. We want to have this oil all around us. That's what we need to fuel this light. Why would we not want to be prepared for the coming of the bridegroom? The gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit take time to develop. So as we wait, we have to ask for more. We have to continue to seek the Holy Spirit, day by day, hour by hour. This changes us to be more like Jesus, and the more like him we become, the better we are. The Holy Spirit allows us to see our circumstances through a different lens. Through heaven's eyes, it allows hopes to rise. It gives dreams new, refreshing. We can see, smell, taste, touch, and feel the Holy Spirit. We can feel that kingdom of God here in all its glory, preparing us for the incredible day that will come when Jesus comes back. Just one experience of the Holy Spirit will change you. You'll want so much more every time you experience him. It will evidence and cement the word of God in your heart while bringing life to the core of your very soul. Please believe me when I say the Holy Spirit cannot leave you unchanged, and he doesn't want to leave you unchanged. In response to that, I think we have to align our hearts with the Holy Spirit this evening. We have to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven, not here, as it says in Matthew 6, 21. What is the oil that's fueling your light currently? Is your light even shining at the moment? Romans 8, 5 says that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. This is what God wants for us. This is what Jesus is talking about when he asks us to be prepared for when he comes. And this is how he will graciously prepare us for that day. The parable ends with very sobering words. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Jesus is again warning us that it could be any time and we have to be prepared for this. So what does it mean to be prepared for the coming kingdom? It means keeping our lamps burning bright in the power of the Holy Spirit. It shows us the path we're walking on and it draws people to us in the darkness. It gives us the opportunity to share Jesus with people who would maybe never hear about him before. The Holy Spirit is what keeps our lamps burning even in the worst of circumstances. It is the key to hope and perseverance and all the other gifts and fruits that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. He wants us to know the richness of waiting now in his glory while preparing us for when he comes again in even greater glory. He wants to hold that door open to eternity for all of us when that day comes. And to get us through this waiting period, he doesn't leave us by ourselves on the wayside. He gives us the Holy Spirit. We don't need a book and we don't need to scroll through social media. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit daily, hourly, every minute if you need, wherever you are. And there's nothing else that we need. How good is our God to give us this Holy Spirit? There's nothing more that we could ask for. So I think we have to respond to that this evening. Danny, if you don't mind, would that be okay? Um, I think it's simple. We have to ask more of the Holy Spirit, to be honest with you. Um, whether it's for the first or the thousandth time, God wants to fill you this evening and to remind you of his goodness to you. And he wants to make sure that your light stays lit until he comes. Luke 12, 35 says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. And this is our prayer this evening, that we will keep our lamps burning with the power of the Holy Spirit. I was reminded of the song that many of us maybe sung when we were in Sunday school or even in primary school. And it goes like this. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. 
keep me burning till the break of day. And I'm just going to pray that over us. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, why don't you just open up your arms to him, open up your heart and your, yeah, your ears this morning to hear what he is saying. Jesus, would you come now in your power, Holy Spirit, filling us from the top of our heads to the, the tips of our toes, God. We want to be prepared for that day when you come to, to claim your church, Lord, to claim your bride. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. And I pray that you will be preparing us now with your Holy Spirit.